0: that. Glad to see all of you this morning and as always want to welcome you here. If it's your first time we're blessed to have you and also for those who might be tuning in via streaming our streaming of our message this morning that I want to welcome you if it's your first time and we do pray that God would speak to your hearts this morning. Please open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. This morning's message is Christianity, man's only hope. Christianity, man's only hope. And we'll be looking at verses 1 through 3 this morning. Basically, it's the, the introduction to the book of Acts. But the book of Acts has often been called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is referred to more than fifty times in the book of Acts, which should show us how important the Holy Spirit is to the church and to the to the to the believer, and that we can't live, we can't live without him. Particularly, the Holy Spirit here uh, speaks in relation to baptism with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And being led by the Holy Spirit. And the book of Acts covers a period of more than 30 years. The purpose for the book of Acts is to give an accurate account of the birth and the growth of the Christian church. The author is Luke, a Gentile doctor. It was written to Theophilus between A.D. 63 and 70. 63 through 70. Now, it was written to Theophilus. Now, we don't know much about Theophilus. Who is this guy, Theophilus? Well, it's been suggested that Theophilus is just a, a general term for all Christians. But the expression in Luke 1-3, Luke calls a most excellent Theophilus. That implies that He was a definite person, probably a Roman official, whom Luke held in in high respect. Theophilus may have been the elder who took part in sending the letter from the Corinthians to the Apostle Paul. But again, there isn't enough evidence for us to really know who Theophilus is. Over 2,000 years ago, a small flame was lit in Palestine. At first, there were just a few people in that, part, in that little part of the world that were touched by it. But that flame turned into a wildfire. And that flame spread beyond Jerusalem and Judea to the world and to all people. The book of Acts gives us an eyewitness description of that flame and fire. That is the birth and the spread of the church. And it all started in Jerusalem with a small group of disciples. Then the message got out and it traveled across the Roman Empire. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, this daring band of brothers preached, taught, healed, showed love in the synagogues, schools, homes, marketplaces, courtrooms, on the streets, in the hills, on shifts, and on desert roads, wherever God sent them. Wherever God sent them, people's lives as well as history were changed. Luke writes Acts as a a sequel to his gospel by his name, the gospel of Luke. So this this is a sequel to his gospel. The book of Acts is an accurate historical record of the early church. But it's also a doctrinal book. That is, it's instructional. It has lessons and it has living examples of the work of the Holy Spirit. Also, it deals with church relationships, church organization, and the effects of grace and the law of love. Acts is also an apologetic work, building a strong case for the validity of Christ's claims and promises. The book of Acts starts with the promised outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the start of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit-inspired evangelism started in Jerusalem And it eventually spread to Rome, covering most of the Roman Empire. The gospel first went to the Jews, but as a nation, they rejected it. There was just a small remnant of Jews that gladly received the good news of Jesus Christ. But because the gospel continued to be rejected by most of the Jews, it led to preaching the gospel to the Gentiles more and more. But this was according to the Lord's Lord's plan. The gospel was to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the other parts of the earth. uh, Verse 8 tells us here. And this is exactly the pattern that follows. The preaching started in Jerusalem in chapters 1 through 7 and went to uh, Judea and Samaria in chapter 8 and following. And to the countries beyond Judea. The second half of Acts mostly focuses on Paul's missionary journeys to many countries north of the Mediterranean Sea. Paul, with his companions, took the gospel first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. Some of the Jews believed. Many of the Gentiles received the good news with gladness. New churches were started. New believers started to grow in the Christian life. And as we read the book of Acts... Let's put ourselves in the disciples' place. In other words, let's feel what they felt. Let's feel with them as they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And as they shared their excitement, as they saw thousands of people getting saved, responding to the gospel message, and I think of it, and Kathy and I, when we were got saved in the in the in the in the seventies, and and we were going through the Jesus movement, and maybe many of you were there at the same time. I mean, there was such an excitement to go to church. There was such an excitement to read the scriptures. There was such an excitement to hear preaching and teaching about Jesus Christ. And I remember the old days at Calvary Chapel, West Covina, and and and. and, and we'd get, we'd have to get there, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour early to find a parking spot. You know, we'd have to park down the street and walk maybe a block to the church and you get there and there was a line outside to get in. You think they were giving away a million bucks, but they were giving the gospel of Jesus Christ and people were excited to go into here and to receive all that Jesus had for them. We don't see that anymore. What has changed? Not God, not His purpose. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we have to look and see what changed. Let's feel their commitment that they had. Their commitment, they gave every ounce of talent they had for the Lord. And back when, when, when this was all going on and people were getting saved, they were just, you know, they're, everything, their treasures, everything was given to Jesus. And as you read the book of Acts, as we read the book of Acts together. Let's watch the Holy Spirit led boldness of these first century Christians. Even through their sufferings and even in the face of death, they took every chance they got to tell others about their crucified and risen Lord. Let us decide to be a 21st century version of those first century Christian men and women of God. The most important thing for you to know is what is Christianity? Or to put it another way, what is the Christian church? What's her message? What's her business? Because Christianity is the only hope for this world. Everything else has failed. You won't find hope in the philosophers or politicians or the scientists or the educators. Or all of the religions combined. The gospel is our only hope. And so the most important mission in the world today is to make the gospel, the word of God known to every living soul. This is the purpose of the church. This is why God saved us. He didn't save us to sit and then just to wait our time and cruise on into heaven. He saved us to serve. He saved us to give this message. And you know what? We're the only ones who can do that. We're the only ones who can do that. But there's a real sad issue in the world today. And that is that there's so much confusion in the church when it comes to what the gospel is, what the church is, what a Christian is, what they're supposed to do. And even sadder are those who are outside the church That have been so confused or disappointed or hurt by the church, the Christian church herself, because of her ideas and behavior. And because the world is changing, some think we have to adapt to the changes in the world. Many think that we need to change what we believe because the world doesn't believe what the Bible teaches. Some people want the church to preach messages that that conform to their lifestyle rather than their lifestyles conforming to the word of God. And Satan is very clever. Sunday has become fun day. It's really becoming harder and harder to recognize Sunday as being the Lord's day. God now has to compete with all kinds of businesses, sporting events, social gatherings. It's amazing how Sunday became the day of football, the day of baseball, soccer, the Super Bowl. One of the most watched events on that Sunday morning. Matter of fact, some of the the leaders and bigwigs in the, the football organizations say that they now own the day that the church used to own. They boldly, it was in a movie. They boldly came out and said, we now own the day the church used to own. Kids' soccer leagues, little leagues, softball leagues, marathons, all on Sunday. And many churches don't even have Sunday night services anymore. Or they're being turned over for some other than a a study, for some activity, some other function. Some churches now, after the pandemic, haven't opened up, aren't going to open up. Some people aren't going to church anymore because of the pandemic. No wonder people are confused about Christianity and what the purpose of the church is. If you want to know what the church is and what Christianity is, our duty is to go back to the very beginning In the book of Acts and learn how the church started and what she did. And that's what we deal with in the first three verses here in chapter one. What is the origin of the Christian church? And you don't start by, you don't start by finding out by comparing it with the church today. That's for sure. If you want to know what the church is and what Christianity is, you need to go back over 2,000 years ago to the very beginning and find out how the church started and what she did. And I think we'd all agree that the question of authority, the question of authority is the most important question. Who runs the church? The pastor? The board? Some committee? The church members? Who's the authority? When people think they have the right to say, well, I think Christianity is, you know, this, and and this is what the church should do, then we have a right to say, hey, show me that in the Bible. Where do we find it in the Bible? We have only one authority on the origin of the church, and it's the authority of the Word of God. Here in Acts, chapter 1, uh, verse 1, Luke starts out, The former account I made, O Theophilus. Now, what was the former account? The former account was the Gospel of Luke. Well, Luke is telling Theoph- 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 Theophilus here, in this first verse, is he saying, The former account, what I wrote in my Gospel, Luke where there's a similar introduction that Luke writes to Theophilus. Listen to Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Again, addressed to Theophilus. He said, Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They use the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I, Luke, have decided to write a careful account for you, Theophilus, most excellent Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. This is why these books, Luke and Acts, were written. So that you can be certain of the truth of everything that you were taught. Now, we don't know a lot about Theophilus. But it's generally assumed that he was a man in some prominent position, a man of culture and education, who had different... who he. He had heard different things about Christianity and he wanted to know more. And so he found Luke, a a doctor and a very expert historian who had accompanied Paul as Paul went, you know, to to various places. And so, so Luke was in a very good position to know exactly what the story was all about. That is the story of the gospel. Theophilus got in touch with Luke and then Luke wrote to him. And he wrote basically saying to Theophilus, Theophilus, I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. I will tell you why we believe what we believe, and I will tell you the whole story. And Luke did that in two parts. First, in his gospel by his name, the gospel of Luke, and second, here in the book of Acts. So we have to go back and we have to study this story. Now, we're not only honor-bound to do that, but, but, we, but, but we have to if we want to understand it correctly. Christianity is a wonder. It is a phenomenon of history. And it's a fact, it's not a fairy tale. You know, within 200 years, Christianity became the most powerful force in the, in the great Roman Empire. And by the beginning of the 3rd century, the church had become such a powerful force that a Roman emperor named Constantine thought it would be wise to make the Roman Empire officially Christian. The Christian church is one of the most fundamental facts in the whole history of the world. There's only one thing that can explain such a wonder and such a phenomenon of the Christian church and this amazing history that continued down through the centuries to this very morning. And it will continue on until Jesus Christ comes back. Even in spite of the world and the flesh and the devil and the evilness of men and of hell, it is the explanation that is given to us in the book of Acts. Do you want to know what Christianity is? Maybe this morning you're in trouble in your moral life. Or in your married life, you're having problems. Maybe you're dealing, you've got some struggle going on in your soul that, that just brings you down. Maybe you've tried different things and you wonder... What does does the Christian life have to offer? That's a good thing to wonder that. Like Theophilus. Maybe you want to know too. And you know what? We're able to tell you. But I'm not here to tell you what I think about Christianity. And I'm not here to tell you what I think about the church and what it should do. The world is in chaos right now. And there's no doubt about that. And people are dying all around us. And and they need to hear, the world needs to hear the word of God. These early Christians in the book of Acts, they went everywhere. And they spoke and they preached. And that's the explanation of this tremendous phenomenon of the church. So we need to look at the book of Acts and what it has to say to us. First, what was the message that these people preached? Luke told Theophilus very clearly. Notice 1 through 3 now, chapter 1. The former account I made, Theophilus. When he says the former account I made, he's speaking about his book. He says, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he threw the... after he through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he had also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Verses 1 through 3 is a summary of the whole gospel of Luke and the other gospels. Now, what does it mean? Well, he gives some of the great principles here. The starting point, the basic thing is that Christianity is about Jesus. No more. Nothing added. Jesus, period. Luke says to Theophilus, I've already written to you about him in my gospel. Now, I'm going to tell you even more about him in the book of Acts. Christianity is not a teaching, it is not a set of rules, it is not a moral attitude to be followed. Christianity is a person. You start with a historical person. Luke was a skilled historian. He was giving an account that is an explanation of the events and the facts of Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus, Jesus was the subject of the preaching of the early church. He's the subject of Luke's gospel. He's the subject of Acts. The Bible is about Jesus. And this is the sad thing that's forgotten today, that it's all about Jesus. People say, what we need today is to apply his teaching. But it's not. What you need to do is to know him and to come into a relationship with him. You don't start with his teaching, you start with Jesus. You start with him. This is the message. Luke said, all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. And our Lord himself said to his disciples in verse 8, you shall be witnesses to who? To me, not to my teaching. You shall be witnesses to me. And as we read the book of Acts, you will see that our Lord's disciples always preached Jesus and the resurrection. What did Paul want more than anything else? He said, I may, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And the disciples went to people and they told them about Jesus. They told them about the person Jesus. This was everything to their teaching. You never find them starting with politics or social problems. They said, listen up, people. We have something to tell you about a person and his name is Jesus. And what did the disciples say about him? In Luke's gospel, Luke gives the facts and in Acts, he gives facts again. But Luke doesn't stop there. He tells them what they mean. He tells them the importance of these facts. He explained the facts. He doesn't just write about everything that Jesus did, but also everything Jesus taught. And those two things must always go together, our Lord's acts and his teaching, because what he said had to match, you know, what he said and what he had, what, what he said and what he did had to match. You can't say one thing and do another and see that's a big problem in the church today. Christians say one thing and do another. And then Jesus added this amazing statement. He said, You shall be witnesses to me, not my teaching, not my acts. You shall be witnesses to me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. This is the message for the whole world. It's not about opinion, it's not about philosophy, it's about Jesus. So we need to continue to follow what Luke says. We see that he begins with, again, with the words here, the former, well, in Luke, it's the former treatise. The former treatise, also here, the former treatise, or or in other words, the first book or discourse. The former treatise, or here, the former account made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach. The word began means that all, it means that all Luke has written in his gospel is just the beginning. Here was a man, Theophilus, here was a man interested in Christianity who wanted to know what it was all about. So Luke says, I'll tell you. And he told Theophilus the story that was made known in the 24 chapters of his gospel. And now here he sums it up all in two words. It's all about what Jesus began to do and teach. Do and teach. Maybe you might say this morning you know about Jesus. Do you really? Do you really understand what his life means? Do you really understand its significance? What did Jesus begin to do? Luke tells us in Luke 1.35, well, that Jesus was born of a virgin. He wasn't like any other man. He, can't, he came out of eternity into this world. And he would be the son of the highest and he'd occupy the throne of his father David and his kingdom would have no end. And Jesus did many other things. This is Christianity. It's all here. This is history. Luke wanted to help Theophilus. Theophilus said, Luke, I'd like to know what Christianity is because here's the thing. I'm amazed at you people. That's the thing that drew people to the early church. Why they came in thousands. And got saved in thousands. And the true church grew. Why? It was because of the Christians. Today, people are turned off by Christians. He's saying, I'm amazed at you people. Because I see what's happened to you. I hear your preaching. I can see the effects that it has on you people from the preaching. Today preaching goes in one ear and out the other and they go home like it. They leave it in the parking lot. He says, I want to know what this is. And you know what? People should be blown away by us, not turned away by us. So Luke basically said, Theophilus, if you want to know about Christianity, listen, this is it. It's Jesus. This is what he began to do. He came, he taught, he worked miracles, he gave of himself, he gave himself, he died, he was buried, he rose again, and he ascended to heaven. And Luke emphasizes the resurrection here. You notice he says uh, there in verse 3, he said, uh, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. Luke emphasized the resurrection at the very beginning of this introduction to the book of Luke to Theophilus. Why? There would be no Christian church if it wasn't for the resurrection. Here in Acts is the history of the church. Here is the story of this amazing institution called the church that turned the world upside down and has continued throughout the centuries to this very day. And it's all due to the fact that Jesus who was dead is alive again and has given many infallible proofs of it. These are facts. Now there seems to have been a six-fold purpose for those 40 days between the time he resurrected and the time he ascended. Went back to heaven. The, the first Purpose or first intention for those 40 days was to convince. To convince the disciples that he really was alive again. You know, if Jesus would have only appeared a couple of times, you know, to a few people. Others might have said, well, you know, I've I've only heard about, I've only heard that a, a few people really saw him. But I really haven't heard a lot of people say that they saw him. They might have have had doubts, but it says here to be seen by them for 40 days and talking every day with them. That would destroy any possible doubts. The second intention of those 40 days was to instruct Jesus was with them speaking of the kingdom of God, verse 3 says. Not only did he instruct them, Luke 24, 25 says he opened their understanding. Third purpose of those 40 days was to prepare the disciples, to prepare them. To prepare the disciples for intelligent witnessing, for team fellowship, for public leadership, and especially for our Lord's invisible control in the church after his ascension. So that after he was gone, they didn't think, well, now who's in control? The fourth purpose for those 30, 40 days was to assure the disciples, to assure them that his presence was still with them when they couldn't see him. That's why he kept suddenly appearing and disappearing to them. To show them, hey, I'm still here. I'm still in control. Assuring them that when he was gone, everything's still going to be okay. I have it under control. It was done to teach the disciples the realization that he was with them always. As the scripture says, I will be always with you, even though they couldn't see him. Fifth purpose for those 40 days was to inspire. Inspire the disciples with missionary zeal. It, it wasn't for them, Jesus said, to know the times or the seasons, but they were to receive the power of the Holy Spirit in order for them to be witnesses. You see, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses to the othermost parts of the earth. And then last, sixth, last purpose for the 40 days were meant to unite, to unite the disciples in holy purpose. To wait for the promise of the Father, that is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Then, after those 40 days, Jesus ascended. Then there followed those 40 days, another 10 days, it says, of being in one accord in prayer. So those 40 days that Jesus after the resurrection and the 10 days till, uh, till when the Holy Spirit fell, that's Pentecost. Penta meaning fifty. It was after those ten days of prayer, and then the power fell. How this still speaks to us today? You see, many times these churches—they got a big banner: "The Holy Spirit here today." Well, did he get a special invitation? Was he booked up where he couldn't come before? That's not how the Holy Spirit comes. Through power, through this, this unity they had. Ten days in one accord, in prayer, the Holy Spirit came. Again, look at those first disciples. Convinced of his resurrection. Instructed in the word of God. Prepared for the Lord's control assured of his real presence inspired with missionary zeal united in purpose and now continuing with one accord in prayer then the spirit fell that's how pentecost came and that's how it still happens in christian fellowship today the power fell on a prepared and praying group of believers and then they could turn the, then they turned the world upside down for Christ, for jesus Luke says to Theophilus this morning and Luke says to us this morning you have to believe these facts. There's no other no other explain, explanation except Jesus. This is what he began to do. But Jesus also began to teach. And it's in all the gospels where he taught of himself. He taught about himself. And if you want to understand Christianity you have to read your Bible. You have to study your Bible because it's the lack of knowledge it's the lack of biblical knowledge that blinds men and women of this generation and keeps them outside of the church. Don't be in a hurry don't be in a hurry to finish reading your Bible or don't hurry through your Bible. Don't be in a hurry to to, 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 to not have a, or, or to finish a devotional time. Don't be in a hurry to get out of church or read your Bible or to study. Listen for your life. Because it's the, it's the only message of hope for us. How can this message be known to the world? The answer is Jesus. Jesus is in paraphrase or, or, or basically said to Jesus or said to his disciples, I'm going to send you out to preach. And I don't care what color you are. I don't care what class or creed you are. The human race is one. And we are. We all came from Adam and Eve. The human race is one, Jesus. Said, it's one humanity in sin under the wrath of God, destined to hell. And there's only one Savior. Tell them about me and be witnesses to me. That's what Christianity is all about. That's basically what Luke told Theophilus. And that's what he means here when he says, That's what I told you in my former account. That's what I told you in the book of Luke. But he says, Now, in the book of Acts, I want to tell you more. And this is the most important emphasis all that Jesus began. That means that Jesus is not finished with, not finished yet. He's still going on. And if you notice, there's no amen at the end of the book of Acts. It's an open book. He's not finished working yet. Luke said, Listen, Theophilus, I have a second account for you. Not only do I have the, my, my gospel that I wrote, I have the book of Acts. I have this second account. I've told you what Jesus began to do. My gospel, you have it, you've read it. Now I want to tell you what Jesus is continuing to do. And it's not. It doesn't matter what we do. The message of the Christian church isn't only what He has done, but what of He, but of what He's doing. And he's moving on. He's, he's still working. He's going on. He's still working. And Acts tells us that he's seated at the right hand of God in glory. After his resurrection, he told us something that's seen so clearly in Acts. He said in Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. They were to preach the gospel, and they were to make disciples of all the nations. The world is in the hands of the living Lord. This is the message. God the Father, the Creator, the Owner of all things has handed over the business of this world and its redemption to His Son. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. In the book of Acts, we see Jesus demonstrating some of that power. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit down on the early church, which was a manifestation of his power. We will see Peter and John healing a man at the temple. We will see a a man named Saul touched and converted by the power of Christ. That's Christianity. All that was done after Jesus ascended. You see, the work is still going on. The healing, the, 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 the salvation, the conversion, that's Christianity. So the, the story did not end when Jesus went to heaven. Jesus continues to act with all power. Then here in verses 10 through 11, moving down a little bit, it says, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will soon come in, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. In other words, if you think Jesus was finished when he died and he was buried, listen to Luke's message. Listen to this account, Theophilus. It's written to you. Theophilus, he will come again. Just as you saw him go in bodily visible form in the clouds surrounded by angels, that's the way he's going to return. And when he returns, he's going to judge the world in righteousness. He's going to set up his glorious, never-ending kingdom. That is the message of Christianity. That's what made the church what it is. In closing, do men and women need to be told about some kind of a program that will make their conditions better, that will make their lives better, that will make the world better? That's not man's greatest need. Our greatest need is to know God. I mean, if we were all given a fortune, would it really save all of our problems? Would that save the problem of death? Would that save the problem of eternity? No, it wouldn't. The message of Christianity isn't, it, it's, you know, we're not here to, to improve the world. But it's about changing people. But the thing is, if you change people, you're going to change the world is to change people in spite of the world and to prepare the people for, for eternity, for, for that glory that's still to come. This Jesus is active and he's acting to that end. That's what he's doing. And he's, Jesus is going to go on until all the redeemed are gathered and then he's going to return And the final judgment will take place and his kingdom will will stretch from one end of the earth to the other. That is the message. As Luke told Theophilus, that is the message that turned the ancient world upside down. And it's the only message. And so now, what does this message mean to you? What is your idea of Christianity? What do you think the business of the church is? Some say, hey, you know what? I don't want your sermons. I don't want your input. I just want to feel good. I say my prayers. I pay my respects to God in my way. I said my prayers and paid my respects to God. I think it's good enough. Is that it? Do you think Christianity is something that you can take and use the way you want it to? Hoping that it will somehow put you right? Or do you think it's the most amazing thing that ever happened or will happen? Is it the thing you live by? Is it the thing that you long to know and to experience more and more? Like Paul, meant? I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. Understand that the principle of Christianity isn't that it calls you to do something, but rather it tells you what Jesus came into the world to do for you. And my prayer is that we just get this will get us stirred up. When you go back and see why the church was so dynamic and such a phenomenon. And people were drawn to it because of the Christians, because of the people, because of the way they saw their lives change. And to ask ourselves, why isn't that happening happening like that today? That we might each as individuals look inward. I want to be like that. I want to have that effect on people. Those that are searching. those, and There will be those who could care less. Don't want anything to do with it. But there are many out there that, you know, say, you know, I want to know more. I need Christ. I've lived all my life without him. And I've never really found anything that's truly made me happy. And that's because you're looking in all wrong all the wrong places. It's Jesus only, plain and simple. Let's pray, Father. We come before you, and we thank you so much for this wonderful, just gosh, Lord, this this tidbit, God, that you gave us this morning. And Father, I pray that your Spirit has touched all of us, God. In a special and powerful way, Lord. But Father, I want to speak to those this morning that may not know you. If you're here this morning and you've never received Christ. And the Holy Spirit has spoken to you and has made you understand and and to sense, I need Jesus. And for those who might be watching, Via the streaming, and the Holy Spirit has spoken to you in your home or wherever you might be watching. That I need Christ. I want to know more about Him. I want to know more about the resurrection. I want to know more about the new life that you can have in Christ. I'm going to say this prayer out loud. This is the sinner's prayer. And if you want to receive Christ, you repeat it in your heart to the Lord with all of your heart. Repeat it after me. Dear Jesus, please forgive me, Lord, for all of my sins. I confess to you I am a sinner. I want to receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me now to learn all I can about you and to teach me and to help me to grow in my relationship with you. And thank you, Jesus, For dine on a cross for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Awesome. If you said that prayer.